Today's daf is daf Samach Zayin. Be'ez Hashem is Baruch. We'll beginning the tenth parak, Nara Hamurosa, at the bottom of Samach Vavamad Beis. So, just as a brief introdu- introduction, uh, this parak is dealing with the Nadorim that a daughter or a wife makes, and the jurisdiction of the father or the husband to annul these vows. So. The first thing we need to know is that a father is has the jurisdiction on his own to be made for the nadorim of his daughter as long as she is still a naira, means she has not reached the age of 12 and a half. So under 12 and a half, the father has the jurisdiction of annulling his daughter's vows. Uh, what he needs to, when he hears it, he says, Mufrelach, and uh, it's, it's annulled, and the nether is voided. Uh, now, the the din is as follows, is that this right he has as long as she still is under his jurisdiction. However, let's say that she became a Nesua. There's two steps in marriage. There's Eresin and then there's Nesuin. But if she's gone through the second step of marriage, which we call Chuppah, she's had Nesuin already, so in such a case, she has left completely the jurisdiction of her father, and she's entered into the jurisdiction of her husband, and from this point and on, it is the husband that has the capacity to solely null, uh, uh, null her uh, and void her nadorim, and not the father, because that's first thing. Secondly, the right that the father has to annul nadorim is Davka Biyom Shema on the day that he hears it. He has a day, the day that he hears it, on that for that day he has the ability. Now whether we calculate it 24 hours, Miyom Yom, we'll see how it's calculated. But the day that he hears it, he has to annul it. If he kept quiet for the duration of that day, that is considered to be a tacit uh a kium of the star. It's like he's upholding the star and therefore he's confirming it, uh, confirming the, the nether, and this nether will not be, uh, will no longer be able to be, uh, it's considered affirmed, and not be able to be annulled. Now, uh, there also, aside from there being a passive confirmation by being quiet for the full day, there's an active confirmation, is that on the day that he hears it, he says right away, Kiemloch. If he says Mekayimit verbally, then that's Mekayimit right away. It becomes binding. You don't need to have uh, 24 hours to go by to fulfill it. It's, or the, the, the day to go by, it's considered confirmed immediately. Um, the, uh, other, another halacha we need to know is that whereas the, the, the husband has also, once she is a Nesua, he has the capacity on his own to be made for her Nadorim, but the Nadorim that he's made for is only those that she makes once she becomes a Nesua. Those Nadorim that she brought into the Nesuin with her, he does not have the capacity to be made for. Another halacha is that the husband is only made for those type of Nadorim 
that are either called Inui Nefesh, that there's a self-affliction, it's afflicting, she made an error that afflicts her, I won't eat, she won't eat meat or drink wine, that's afflicting her, he can be made for those, or he could be do those types of an adorim that uh, will uh, impede on their relationships. So those nadorim that are beinolaveina, he could also be made for. For example, she said, "I'm not going to be. Wear, I won't wear makeup anymore." That affects the relationship. He can be made for. There is actually machlokos rishonim. The Rambam seems to hold that this limitation of dorim beinolaveina and inu nefesh only applies to the husband, not the father. Other rishonim disagree. They hold that the father too only is able to be made for with um with with inner uh, nefesh and not not uh, n- not other nadarim that's the ram says that that's not correct uh the if a woman has the first stage of marriage which is erusin so she has not fully left the jurisdiction of the father but she has not fully entered into the jurisdiction of the husband she has not had nasuin that is what our mission is going to be dealing with. When you have this joint jurisdiction, how does that impact the capacity to be made for her in her dharm? So that's really where we the segues into the beginning of you know, the, this parak. So let's see it inside. So Zog Mishnah. Nara Muroso, a woman that is a Nara, she's only she's less than twelve and a half. And she's had erosin, which is only the first stage of marriage. Avia uvalo Her husband and her father are uh, required to revoke her nadarim. Now we'll see that Gemara is going to explain. That means in partnership, they both have to be made for, for it to be voided. If only the father revoked, but not the husband. Or the other way around, if the husband revoked and not the father, it is not, the, the netter will still stand, it's not considered revoked until both of them do it. And, it's not, and it's, it's no need to even say, if one of the two, the father or the husband, when they heard it, right away they affirmed it, they're Makayim, then for sure that nether can no longer be revoked, because as we said, we need to revoke the revocation of both of them. If one is Makayim, then for sure it's, the nether will be uh, upheld. Asks the following question. We seem to have a redundancies in our Mishnah. The Mishnah started off saying, Nara Amuresis, Aviobala Mefirinadare. Now, Aviobala Mefirinadare implies you need to have joint. They both have to be Mefir, which implies that if they're both not Mefir, then this nether will be upheld. So, why is the next part of the Mishnah have to say, Hefra Avala, Hefra Bala, Hefra Bavala, Hefra Ab? It's Enamufra, it's not revoked. The fact that you said you need both of them to revoke, does that not automatically imply that if only one of them revoked, it would not be revoked? So, why is it needed to say that second clause in the Mishnah? So, Hainuresha, the second clause, with one of them revoked, the other one did, that it's not revoked, that's already implied in the first statement of the Mishnah, which says that Avio Uba. You need them both. Sigmora so says like this, You might have said that when the first statement is written, it says, on its own, you could have said it means or, not and, 
Avia Ubala, the father or the husband, can do it. You would not have known that they're both required. So therefore, that's why it has to say the second clause that speaks out specifically, explicitly. The father did it, not the husband. The husband did not the father. It's not considered mufar. Because the first clause, standalone, could have been misinterpreted as meaning either or. So therefore, now, says the Gemara like this, the second, the, th- the third clause is completely redundant because it says basically you need to know that they both need to be mefer in order to be revoked. And if one of them is not mefer, then, then, the other, then the other one's revocation doesn't help. Then the third says, and even the Mishnah itself agrees, it says, If one of them was Mekayim, who verbally affirmed it, then for sure this vo- the, then the, 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 the girl's uh, nether cannot be revoked, because one of them, by an Aram Rasm, affirmed it, then for sure it cannot, it, it's been confirmed and it cannot be revoked. What do you even have to say that third segment of the Mishnah. So Moritz is like this. It says, What's the purpose of teaching this? The Mishnah explains the question. If you can, we, now we've just said that if one is made for the other one, it has no uh, implication, has no impact on the nether. So, so when one of them confirmed it, then for sure, why is it needed to teach me? Someone who says there is a novelty in the third piece of the Mishnah as well. What is it needed to teach me? What if the case was like this? One of them annulled. And then the other part, then the other party, the father or the husband, confirmed, verbally confirmed. Now we're going to see that a confirmation of a neder is like a neder too. And the one who confirmed then went to a rav, and he revoked his confirmation. The same way as a neder can be revoked, the confirmation of a neder can be revoked too. So let's just take the case, husband revoked the nether. Father confirmed the nether. At this point, the nether can't be annulled. Then the father who confirmed went and had his confirmation annulled. He went to a chochem and he got a heter, he got a pesach, and they removed the confirmation. So you might think, is that, that which he confirmed has now been revoked. So it goes back to the status that the husband just confirmed, just, just revoked. So all you really needed was the revoking of the father. So the revoking of the father now can join the revocation that was given by the husband, and the nether has been revoked. Comes to teach me, Kamash Malan, Demefirin Shneyem, Bevas Achas, is that in order for a, a revo- revocation to work, it has to be. Un- uh, unimpeded. It has to be with no hefzik, with no break in the middle. So you have revocation, confirmation, then the confirmation was uh, annulled. You can't just go and add the, uh, the, second con- uh, the second revocation. You need to have both of them revoke again, because there can't be anything in between. Because what happens, as the Ron explains, is as soon as the uh, father confirmed it wipes out the original revocation. It was only a partial revocation. Again, the husband revoked. He was made for. 
father confirmed. At that point, when he confirmed, it wiped out the revocation. So even though he goes back and he annuls his confirmation, it doesn't bring back to life the original hafara of the husband. From It would have to have now a new hafara of the husband and a new hafara of the father, so that there is no impediment, there's no interruption, there's no hefsek between the two hafaras, only then is it considered to be a valid hafara and, and, and the nedr will be annulled. So, Kamash Malan, the mefir and shneim vas achas, we need both the father and the husband to be made for, doesn't mean vas achas has to be exact at the same time, but it means without an interruption in between. And if there was a kium in between, even if that kium was uprooted and annulled, it doesn't reinstate the original hafara, you need to have a new hafara from the husband in in order for the uh, be able to have a, the afora of the father joined together with it. Again, there's a clock that starts ticking, so this all has to take place within a certain period of time, but that would be the Chiddush. Now, the Ran asks the obvious question. The Ran says, so there is a big Chiddush over here. So why did I have to say, why is it have to say? And it's not even needed to say. It is needed to say. That's exactly what it's telling. We're telling there's a Chiddush over here. So why would it need to be teaching this? So the Ran saying is, the Ran explains that the Tan of the Mishnah is saying is, is that the simple pshat on the reading of the Mishnah, it would not be needed to say, but then why did we say it? That was the point it's trying to make. It really doesn't need to be said. It's only needed to be said for the Chiddush that the Gemara actually is teaching us. And that, that's, that is the reason why that third segment of the Mishnah is recorded. Now, let's go back to the original din. So we said, that we need a partnership when she has, when this partial jurisdiction of the father and the husband, by Erisin, they both have to be made for, for the Nadorim to be annulled. So from where do we know this concept? So now, in order to understand the Gemara's Teretz, we really need to know the Psukim. The first Pasuk, there's three, uh, there's three Parshios, three portions that deal with a, a, a woman making the Dorim. The first one is talking about where she's completely not married at all. She's completely in the father's jurisdiction, and it makes, uh, and, and it basically says that if she makes the, uh, a neder, that the father, Bayom Shema, on the day that he hears it, he can be mefer. Then we have a, a second segment, that the first one is from Pasuk Beis through Pasuk, uh, Pasuk uh, Vav in, uh, in Bamid Bar Lamed. But then the second, the second segment starts with If she, uh, if she shall be to a man. So here we're introducing the husband, all right? And then... Uh, there's a, a third segment that deals with uh, a, a husband. Ve'im base isha nadara that if she made the nether isha with a mapike in her husband's house. Says ve'im hoyasiela ish ve'im base isha nadara. So the Gemara assumes right now these three segments. One is before erusin. Second segment is by an arusa, and the third segment is talking about that she is a Nasu, a base Ish has already entered into his house. Now, looking at it that way, what the Mora is going to suggest 
is that if something is, uh, there's a logical connection between two parshios, and there is a vav connecting them, so we consider it to be vav mosif, that it's a vav mosif, that it's addition. So then the first segment, which yields the father's being made for. The second talks about erusin, which is still under the jurisdiction of the father, it's just introducing the husband. So when it's saying the husband can be made for, it's the husband together with the father, since she's partially under the jurisdiction of the father, and that's what's being added in the second segment, the second parsha, with the connecting vav. The third parsha is talking about where she is a nesua, completely out of the jurisdiction of the of the of of the father, and that must be the 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 the, the husband doing uh, being made for the nedarim of the nesuah on his own. So again, so let's get back to our Gemara. Gemara's question was: So from where do we know Nara Murasa that Avio Vala Mefir Nedareo Minolan? From where do we know this? On this Amaraba Amakro, the second parsha it says Vimhayo Siyeleish that if a woman shall be to a man. And her vows are upon her. And her husband hears it. That on the day that he hears it, he shall uh, either revoke her nadarim, and if he doesn't revoke it, then the nadarim will be binding. So, Mikan, from here we learn, says the Gemara, the Naramurasa, Sha'avia Ubala Mefirna Even though it doesn't make mention of the husband, just uh, of the father, just mention of the but we're assuming since the first parsha is the father, and it's connected with a vav, and it makes sense that she, because for other halochas, she's still under the jurisdiction of the father, that the father, when it says here the husband, it's joined with the father. Avia Ubala Mefirna So, says the Gemara like this. The Maybe the second segment is teaching us about a nesua. Maybe when it says it's not an arusa. It's referring to a nesua. And if it's a nesua who's left completely the jurisdiction of the husband, so then of, of the father, and then there's no swear to say she's still under the jurisdiction. So there's no swear to say that it's joined. And all the pasuk is saying is when she becomes an asua, the husband can be mefer, and not with the father. And we don't know by arusa could be also that the father is that we we don't know what the halacha would be by an arusa necessarily. Maybe the father doesn't do it. Maybe the father does it on his own. Maybe only the husband does it. We still would not know what the status of the arusa would be. Samara says, can't be that the second parsha is talking about the Nesua. Because Imishum Nesua, Kra Achrina Ksiv. That's the second segment, the third segment. The third parsha says, Vim Beis Avia Nadara, that if she made the nether in the father's house. So why would you need to have the third segment talking about Nesua and the middle section talking about Nesua? Obviously, the middle section is not talking about Nesua, it's talking about Arusa, and it's talking about that the father can do it with the Arus. Samara says, no. I could tell you that both of them are really dealing with the Nesua. And you're going to ask the question, why would you need both the second portion and the third portion teaching by, uh, the, 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 the Nadorim of a Nesua and not referring to an Arusa? I'll answer the question as follows. Is that maybe what is coming to tell me the third section is teaching me something that I don't know from the first, second section? Because the third, third section it says, in base Isha Nadora, that she made the neder 
in the house of her husband, means while she was in a sewer. And it's emphasizing that to teach me is that she's not able, that he's not able to be made for a codeman for Nadorim that she made before Nasua. And that's the Chiddush of the third parsha. is that from the second parsha it's Mashma, he can be made for the Nadorim of a Nasua. We don't know, is it Nadorim she just made as a Nasua? Or maybe he could be made for Nadorim that she brought into the Nasuin as well. That's why you need the third parsha. The third parsha stresses specifically in base Isha Nadorim that she can only be made for Nadorim that she makes as he can only be made for the nadarim that she makes as a nesua, and not nadarim she made before the nesuin. So the chitemach kreik kroy benesuil amali. Why do we need psukim that both uh, two sections that are dealing with nesua? Lemeimar, I'll tell you, it's coming to teach me sheina bal made for a bekodmin that the husband cannot be made for a bekodmin. It's dafka base ish nadara, and that's what the third section is teaching us that the second section would not have taught us. Says the one like this. I still don't understand why I would need two sections because the Chorah, you can still ask the Kasha, is that just write the third section and uh, by Nesuin. You don't need the second section by Nesuin. And wouldn't I have not learned out automatically all of the Halachas? One, that the husband can be made for the Nadorim of Nesuah, and two, that it could only be base Isho, she made those Nadorim when he married her. You still don't need the second section to say the second section is teaching me that it can be made for an Nadorim of Nesuah. The third section is coming to teach me only if she made them as a Nesuah. Leave out the second section. Obviously, if you're telling me he can only be made for an Nadorim that he made, she made as a Nesuah, you're also teaching me that it can be made for an Nadorim of Nesuah. You still don't need the second section. Must be the second section is not for Nesuin purposes, it must be as for Erisin purposes. And if it's talking about Narusa, and it's got the Vav that connects the Erisin to the case of the father on his own, it must be introducing that case to teach me the father here does it jointly as an Arusa, and then we're back to our proof. So that, that's the, the, the Gemara at this point would still seem to say we haven't approved. This would be the proof from the second section that Imhoya Siela Ish is talking about Erisin. And it's a vav that's mechaber to the first section, which when she makes it in the husband's jurisdiction. So when she becomes an arusa, she's still in the husband's jurisdiction somewhat. Now with the the, the with, in in the father's, I'm sorry, she's still in the father's jurisdiction. Now that she gets married, has Ariston together with the husband, the father can be made for. So that would still seem to be a good raya, a good proof. So the Gemara is proven through a uh, through logic that it has to be that the second uh, parsha is going by an arusa, and since the second parsha is going by arusa, and it's connected to the first parsha with a vav, so it means in the first parsha, before erusin, the father does it. In the second parsha, when it introduces the husband, that by erusin, the father and the husband do it together. There's another explanation here, which is just based on the language. Ebois Ema, the second parsha, has to be dealing with an, uh, with an Erosin situation, because the Havaya, the Pesach says, Vim Hoyo Ish, for Havaya, we have in other places in the Torah, Acher, we know it's referring to Kedushin, which is Erosin, not Nesuin. So we're going the Havaya, Kedushin, Mashma. So now the Gemara has the following question. Fine, you've proven that it's talking about Erosin, but you also wanted to prove that since it's talking about Erosin, it's in Introducing the, the, the husband, it must be that the, there's a partnership. The, in order to annul the girl's nadarim, you need the father and the husband to work together. The hafar of one cannot work without the hafar of the other. Says so, well, who says that's the case? Maybe like this. The father is able to be mefer 
uh, on his own, like before Aresin, during Aresin, the father can be made for on his own. You're going to be asked the question, so what's being introduced by when the uh, the husband? What's telling you is the husband now can be an impediment. He can be Mekayim. If he is Mekayim, either he actively is uh, uh, confirms the nether, or he hears it and 24 hours go by, and he confirms it without the father having annulled it, then it can't be annulled anymore. But in terms of annulment, the, the husband cannot annul without the father, and the father can annul on his own. Maybe that's what it's teaching us. You don't see that annulment needs the two of them necessarily. Maybe the father can still annul on his own. So ask the more a question. So again, since maybe the father could always do it on his own, even by Aresin. Whereas I'll tell you that can't be the case. Because then why would you need the whole first parsha in the Torah? That first parsha where the father's on his own, it says the father's own can annul. Why do I have to tell me that? If by Aresin the father can annul on his own, then for sure before Aresin the father can annul on his own. So in Cain, so if so, that first parsha that says, when she made a prohibition, a nether in the father's house, so it says, the father is able to restrain her. Why do I have to tell me that he's able to restrain her? He can, he can revoke that nether on his own. If he can revoke it on his own by Aresin, for sure he could do it before Aresin. If you're telling me now that the father could be made for on his own by uh, by an, by Aresin. So then Shalobimakum Aras, the first partial with without the uh, the without Aresin. So then Smibai, what's the need to tell me the father could be made for? So there's no purpose in having that first parsha if the father could still be made for on his own by the Aresin situations. The worst is fine. So I'll ask you a question the other way. Maybe like this before Aresin, the father can do it on his own. After Aresin, maybe it's telling you, it's introducing the Aras, that he could do it on his own. Your question is, that he means, then why is it connecting it with the Vav, that the Aras can do? What's the father's involvement there? Maybe it's the other way. The father can be the impediment. The father can be Mekayim when she's had Aresin. If he hears it and he's quiet for 24 hours, we actively is Mekayim before the husband is Mefer, so then the netter can't be annulled. But maybe that if the husband annuls first, he can annul on his own without the father. Maybe that's what it's teaching me, the opposite of what we thought before. But not that they both need to do it together. So maybe the father needs the Arus for annulment. The father can't do it on his own. It's only the Arus who can do it on his own. But Arus the Chudemei for the Arus could do it on his own. Now you're going to ask me a question. And the So therefore that Vav that connected the father to the Arus to infuse the father into Arisin. What's the purpose of the father by Arisin if the Arus can annul on his own? to teach me that maybe the father can be an impediment. He can confirm the nether she makes by an Aresin as long as the husband wasn't Mayfer yet. But if the husband's Mayfer, maybe he's Mayfer on his own and the husband and the, and the father wouldn't be able to do anything at that point. As long as the father comes first, he's Makai, maybe that's what's teaching me. But the husband, maybe he can do it on his own. So now they want to ask the question the other way. Then the third partial sure becomes obsolete. Uh, the third partial becomes obsolete because if you're telling me that uh, the father can, uh, the husband can be made for on his own, 
by Erisin, then for sure the father can be, the husband can be made for on his own by Nasuin. So Imkain, base Ish and Adara, the third parish that says that if she's already a, she becomes a Nasuah, then the husband's made for on his own. What's the purpose of that third parsha? It's Kalvachomer. When the father has jurisdiction by Erisin, you're saying the Oris if made for Lechude, the Oris could still be made for on his own or it doesn't need the father. So Shalobim Akamav, when the father has no jurisdiction, which is by Nasuin, what's the purpose of the third parsha now? So Morris says, no, I'll tell you, there still is a purpose for the third parsha. Like we said before, Ema im base Isha Nadara, the reason why I have to tell the third parsha that the Nadarim happened in the house of the of the husband, Lomash Enabal Mefa Bekodmin. It's telling you there's a Chiddush, like we learned earlier, that the third parsha is to teach me that when it comes to Nasuin, the husband can only be made for on those Nadarim made once she entered his house, when she became a Nasuah. But Nadarim that were made from before, even the Nadarim by Erisin, he would not be able to. To be mefer, he could only be mefer on those nadorim by nesuin. So says the Gemara, but that itself is a proof to what we're saying. Umina, from that itself. Why is it that you're telling me that if a nesuin, we has greater jurisdiction, he can only be mefer on his own, those nadorim that were made by nesuin. And he can't be made for on before. It means he can't be made for on his own on Arisin. Why not? You just said before that he could be made for on his own by Arisin. So how could it be that by Nasuin he has less strength than he had by when she was when it was by Arisin? It must be at Arisin he's not doing it on his own. Umine that Arus is made for Bakodvin. The Arus could be made for on early Nadarim. By Arus we don't have that limitation. And Arus could be made for on Nadarim that she made in Arisin. She can make it on Nadarim that she made before Arisin. It's only by Nasuin that you're telling me that you can't make a hafara on the Dharm that happened earlier. You know why? Because by Erisin, he doesn't do it on his own. Elalav mishum shutfus da'av. By Erisin, he has the strength of the father supporting him. You need both of them to do it together. So you can do it on the Dharm she made as an Arusa. You can do it on the Dharm that she made even before the Erisin, because there you have the partnership of the father supporting him. Once she enters Nesuin and the father's out of the picture, then he's weakened. He can only do it on those Dharm she makes as a Nesuin. He can't do it on a Dharam from before. So our point has been proven that the segment that deals with Arison that introduces the husband, it's not the husband on his own. It's the husband in partnership with the father. That is what it's telling you. Gentlemen, have a good day.